I want to uh, encourage us this morning as we get ready to dive into our series. We've been talking about voices uh, and learning to hear the voice of God. And today is a really, really important message. I hope it brings some clarity uh, to the essence of what it means to be a lover of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. We're talking, the, the message today is called Be Mine. What a great Valentine's Day message. Be Mine. Because how many of you know that if you, if you summarize the gospel, it is the greatest love story that has ever been written. It, it, is, it is about passion. It is about pursuit. It is about all the things that make up the best romance, minus, minus the eros part of it, all right? You know, Valentine's Day is known for romance and erotic type of, of love. Um, but God's love for us is a love of pursuit. It's a love that's rooted in passion. It's a love that goes the nth degree to bring us back to the Father. And I was reading in Song of Solomon this week. I can't think of a better book to highlight just the love and the passion that God has for his bride, the church, Jesus has for the church. And in Song of Solomon 2, verse 14, this is what uh, the Lord says to us. He says, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is pleasant and your face is lovely. How many of you have ever approached the Lord realizing that as a godly father, as a loving daddy, that he loves to see his, the face of his children, and he loves to hear the voice of his children. Am I speaking to any dads out there? You know, my, my daughter Caroline is home this week. Where's Caroline? Caroline, can you wave at me? All right, there you are. And when I saw little Caroline come in, um, we, we go over, and what do we do as dads and daughters? We, yay, we do all the celebration, because here's what I'm saying. It's so good to see your face. It's so good to hear your voice. And then what follows? The embrace because I want her to know her daddy loves her and her daddy misses her. Do you know that your heavenly father, when you come before him, he says, man, Joe, it's good to see your face. And when you talk to him, I love to hear your voice. That's the heart of God. I love to see your face. That speaks of intimacy. And I love to hear your voice because your voice is unique. There's nobody like you. And God says, I like that. And then I want you to see, this to me, if you were to ask me to summarize what is Christianity in one succinct verse, I can't think of a better verse because this is the response of the bride back to the Lord, all right? It comes a couple verses later. It's not on the screen, but listen to this. Song of Solomon 2, verse 16. My beloved is mine, and I am his. This is what Christianity is. It's when you're able to say, God is mine and I am his. You know, when you stand, that's why the Bible speaks of, of marriage and, and biblical covenant marriage as a picture of the love that God has for us and the love that Jesus has for us is because when, when my wife and I stood at the altar, and as you have been married in this place, those of you that are married, you know when you stand at the altar, what you're basically saying is, I'm giving you all that I am, 100% holding nothing back, and your spouse says, I commit all of all that I am to you. And they give 100%. How many of you know that's, that's the picture? We, we don't always do that. We're like, I'll give you 20 and we'll work on the 80 later. Uh, sometimes we're not so quick to be all in. But how many of you know the true test of intimacy is when you can, when you can be all in? And that, that's what we're after in our Christian life is to be able to look into the face of Jesus and to say, you are mine and I am yours. All of me. And how many of you know it's not, the problem's not on Jesus' side? He, he gives us all of his, all that he is. 
He's the vine, we're the branches. The vine gives us everything. But it's our job to turn back to him and say, Lord, take me and take all that I am. You be completely mine, I'll be completely yours. That's the gospel. You know, the Bible uses the language of family and relationships. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children. And that is what we are. Some of you, another metaphor to use this morning, we're the bride of Christ, but we're also children of the Most High God. I don't know about you, but I love the fact that I have a heavenly daddy who's crazy about me. And I don't know about the dads that are out there, but I have a little, a little uh, habit in my household. I have four beautiful daughters, and no matter how old they get, or shall I say mature they get, uh, they're still my daughter. And when Valentine's Day comes around, I still like to get them a Valentine's card, I still take the time to tell each one of them how much I love them, how I love to see their face, how I love to hear their voice, and then I buy them a fun little gift, because no matter how mature they get, I want them to feel cherished, I want them to feel valued, I want them to feel loved, because they'll always be mine. Guess what? If we could just get a glimpse of how much your Heavenly Father loves you, and how precious you are to Him. If you could just hear the voice, if you could just see the face, if you could just feel the embrace, your life would be changed forever. I had a man come up to me after first service. He was at our encounter weekend. And he said, man, he goes, I, I spent most of my life never knowing I was cherished or never being loved. He said, it wasn't until I came to America that I had my first birthday party. I said, you're kidding I said, when's your birthday? He said, well, it's this month. I said, when? He said, it's the 22nd. I said, well, guess what? If you're free, I want to go out and celebrate you, celebrate your life, and let you know how much we love you. Can we have a party? He said, would you do that? I said, absolutely. I would do that. Because you know what we're going to do? We're going to make a memory, and we're going to let somebody know that they're precious to God. And they're precious to us. Isn't that the gospel in a nutshell? Isn't that the gospel? It's communicating to people that they're precious to the Lord and that they're they're precious to us. And it breaks my heart that there are many people on this day that don't feel very cherished and don't feel very loved. And, uh, And it breaks my heart to think not only in America but globally, the people that have never, ever felt uh, valued you know, I'm getting ahead of myself, but this is the, uh, <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, I think uh, we complicate ministry sometimes because ministry is really about just finding people that are made in the image and likeness of God and reminding them of that and then treating them that way. That's really what ministry is all about. I want to give you a warning today. I'm skipping ahead because I'm spending too much time crying. All right. <laughs> Last week, we talked about um, the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. I hope that was helpful to you, that the Holy Spirit and the written Word come together in like a marriage, and they're meant to bring us life. They're meant to bring us to Jesus. And if you separate the, the written Word from the Spirit, you end up falling into dead legalism and ritualism 
and, and it's not good. In fact, the Bible says the, the letter of the law kills us, but the Spirit brings life and liberty. How many of you know you always want to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God? Otherwise, I've, I've known people that come to churches that are very hard-hearted and very legalistic and, and beat you over the head with the law of God and the Word of God. And listen, we, we believe that Jesus is a perfect balance between truth and grace. Amen? It's not either or. It's both. Um, but sometimes people have come out of settings where they felt pretty beat up by the church. And that's because many times the Holy Spirit and the tenderness of the Holy Spirit is separated from the law, which becomes a tool to club people over the head with. And that's not what the way the Lord ever intended it to be. Um, if you have the, the word without the spirit, you end up with what's called lifeless legalism. And I want to show you a picture because the Pharisees were the examples of lifeless legalism. And I just need to say this. The Pharisees loved the word of God, all right? Now, and I just want you all to hear it. We need to love the word of God, amen? I mean, like, love the word of God, read the word of God, eat the word of God, meditate on the word of God. They were the religious beacons in their time, all right? They knew the scripture. They knew the first five books of our Bible better than any of us in this room, all right? Hands down. So when it comes to Bible knowledge, they knew the scriptures. But look what happens in John chapter 5. Jesus shows up at the pool of Bethesda, and he encounters a man who's been crippled, paralyzed, laying on a mat for 38 years. Can you imagine that? 38 years laying on a mat. That is your existence. And Jesus comes up to him, and that is that man's day and that man's time, and Jesus treats him with dignity and respect, and Jesus speaks to him and says, get up. I mean, you know, when the, when the living word speaks the word, stuff happens. And this man jumps to his feet, and to the surprise of all these other people around there who are also broken and, and, and in need of healing, this man is alive and well and moving and hopping and leaping and praising God, the whole picture. Now, I just want to ask you a question. If you were there, what would be the appropriate emotional response? Come on! I mean, wouldn't revival be breaking out? We'd be dancing, shouting. I bet that man's running up and hugging people. I bet it's like total mayhem, like party! That's what normal people would do. I want to show you what religious people do. In verse 16, this is the response to the most religious people on planet Earth, to the miracle Jesus just performed. The Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus. That word harassing in the Greek is a very strong word. It is an active, aggressive word. Harassing Jesus for breaking the rules. If somebody just got radically touched, but a rule got broken in the process of them getting radically touched, maybe it's okay to suspend the rule for the greater good. Like the person that just got healed for 38 years, do you think he was keeping track of whether it was the Sabbath or not? In fact, it wasn't the rule that was broken. It was their interpretation of the rule that was broken because one that was greater than the Sabbath was right there in their midst and they were stuck on the rule and they missed the fact that Jesus, the, the Messiah, was standing in their midst and they got ticked off at a rule. Penalty. Throw the flag. Missed the whole thing. In fact, it says later in that verse, they tried to think about ways to kill him. Okay. Someone's healed, religious response, let's kill him. How I many you know that's sick? I, I, I want to drive a point. That, that is sick. Now let me, let me bring it into line, all right? 
I remember one service here. God was moving. We were praying for people. And, and we laid a hand on one lady, and she let out a shriek. I mean, like, you know, a shriek. I won't try to do that. <laughs> but how many of you know when somebody shrieks, like anytime, anywhere, any place, the hair on the back of your neck just goes, Ooh, because that's not expected behavior. But how many of you know when Jesus showed up, places, stuff happened? Demons started yelling, we know who you are. Imagine if that happened in church service. <laughs> I'm not going to that church. <laughs> Demons scream that they recognize Jesus. Is that that church? I'm not going to that church. Well, what church do you want to go to? The church that doesn't recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior? So here's what happened. This woman lets out a shriek, and then we had people leave the church. And this is why they left. When we followed, why did you guys leave the church? I want to go to a church where I feel comfortable bringing my neighbor. So this lady just got set free. And you got offended because Jesus messed with your comfort zone. And you care more about how her shriek made you feel and might make your neighbor feel than the fact that this lady just got delivered. I mean, you know, Jesus isn't neat and clean. Jesus is messy. People cry. People shake. Sometimes we've seen people get delivered. Guess what? They vomit. Now, how many of you know that's not cool to do in church? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right there. But we don't, we don't worship the carpet. We worship Jesus. And when Jesus gets junk out of people's life, however it comes, that's a cause for celebration, not embarrassment. But religious people get embarrassed by Jesus. They worship his book, but when he does the stuff in the book, it makes them nervous. So they would rather have a relationship with God through an inanimate object than face the Lord personally and watch him maybe mess things up or make them uncomfortable. The Bible's full of examples like this. How in the world do you have God Almighty standing in your midst and you're trying to kill him? And you're the most enlightened religious folks on planet Earth and you know the scripture better than anybody and you're trying to kill the one that the scriptures point to. Something is messed up. I want you to see the fruit of the Pharisees. In, in John chapter 5, as we keep going, Jesus starts teaching about what happened. John chapter 5, verse 37. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. But this is what Jesus says of, of the Pharisees. You've never heard his voice or seen him face to face. And you don't have his message in your hearts because you don't believe me, the one he sent to you. I want to show you three things that you have to be aware of so that you don't fall into the trap of the Pharisees as it relates to how you read the Bible in relationship to hearing the voice of God. First of all, Jesus says, no voice. You've never heard his voice. Remember I shared with you about Samuel, uh, that he did not know the Lord because he had not yet heard his voice. People that know the Lord walk and they hear the voice of God. Certainly they hear it through the scriptures, they hear it by the Holy Spirit, still small voice. We're going to talk in the weeks to come about other ways we hear the voice of God. But Jesus said this, and you need to hear this, John chapter 10 verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I'll say that again. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. See, see, the Pharisees had rules without relationship. 
How many have ever tried to raise your kids with nothing but rules? Rules, rules, rules. What did I tell you this time, that time? Da, 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 da. Rule, rule, rule. And what you find is eventually they rebel against all that because they want to have a relationship with mom and dad, not just relate to you by a long list of rules. How many of you know there are certain Christians in the world, that's how they relate to God. The Christian faith is nothing but do's and don'ts. But the Christian faith isn't about do's and don'ts. It's about how do I love Jesus? And if I love Jesus and if he's the blazing center of my life, the rules will take care of themselves because if my heart's right, obedience will soon follow. But if you try to beat people up with rules and you try to put that you know, under this yoke like the Pharisees did, but there's no heart transformation, you'll never learn how to love God or to obey God. So they've got rules without relationship because they've never heard the voice of God. Jesus also said this, there's no intimacy. He says, you have never seen him face to face. The Pharisees embrace formulas over friendship. John 15, 15 says this, Jesus said, I, call, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Isn't this incredible? Jesus calls you and I, invites us into a relationship that's called friendship. When you think of the best friend that you have on the earthly level, and you think of the intimacy you enjoy with them, and how you can share your heart with them, and you can tell them anything, and they're there for you, and they love you, and they support you, and they cheer you on through the difficult times and the, and the, and the good times as well. Jesus says, I'm calling you into a relationship where I want you to be my friends. In other words, I want to have a face-to-face relationship with you. It speaks of intimacy. So I'm asking you this question. Do you hear the voice of God, and do you enjoy the face of God? Those are two things the Pharisees did not experience, and I want you to see the third one because it logically follows. He said, uh, you do not have his message, or his word is not abiding in your hearts. The living word abiding in your hearts. In other words, these people prided themselves in performance over the presence of God. They did not carry the heart of the Lord. How many of you know we can go about the Lord's business and not be moving in the, in the spirit of the, the Lord? In other words, there's a lot of things done in the name of Christ that don't really carry the spirit of Christ. There's a lot of things said sometimes that are harsh and, and demanding and cruel or whatever that, that don't really represent the tenderness in Jesus' heart towards people. How many of you know if you really want to move in the heart of Jesus, one of the things that we should experience the most is, is, is compassion because Jesus' life was marked with compassion. We see it all the time. Even when he was dealing with hurting, broken people, he came alongside them and he spoke the truth. He always said, hey, quit sinning or whatever you're doing. But then he always loved them right where they were at. And he let them know they were valuable and they were precious. He, he carried the heart of the Father. And the Pharisees were miles away from the heart of the Father. He said, so you don't have my voice. You don't experience intimacy with me. And you don't move with my heart and my sense of passion. The prophet Isaiah talked about this in, Jeremiah, or in Isaiah 29, 13. And so the Lord says, these people, talking about Israel, his own people, his chosen people, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Man-made rules learned by rote. I was watching online, I won't mention the religion, but it was a... Uh, a, fa- a false religion and it was the school where they were teaching kids to, out of the holy book and when the kids didn't get it right the, the leaders grabbed sticks and they started just beating these kids because they were not memorizing the holy book of that false religion aren't you glad that's not our heavenly father 
We're not getting beat because we're not memorizing the holy book or whatever. Uh, because it's not about the holy book. It's about what the holy book points us to, the one the holy book points us to. And the holy book leads us to someone special. His name is Jesus, and we're meant to have a relationship with him. Look at the next point I want to make here, all right? We don't want to worship God with our lips only, with hearts that are far from him. We really want to connect with him. And, and I want to say this, all right, during worship. I really want to encourage, especially the men, I try to stand up on stage when I'm up here and I just shut my eyes and worship, but sometimes the Lord says, open your eyes because I want to do it. look out and do a survey and just see where people are at. I really want to encourage, especially the guys, all of you, but especially the men, grow in your ability to hear God's voice and to look into his face and to move with the passion of God in your heart. And the way that you do that is through worship. And the way that you do that is through opening your mouth and singing. That's why we put those nice big words on the screen. So you can see them. And you can sing along. And, uh, and sometimes if you're not comfortable singing along, just shut your eyes and just open your heart to the Lord. You don't have to sing all the words. Sometimes we sing the words, but our hearts are a million miles away. Just open your spirit and begin to love the Lord. And begin to tell Him you love Him. And, and focus on giving Him all of you. And if you do that, God will transform you. Otherwise, you'll just be a Pharisee, and you'll just stand there, or you'll sing the song. You know, I've seen people open hymn books, and i got nothing against hymn books. Some people know all, all six verses, even the ones we normally skip, because remember, it's like we're going to sing the first and third verse. I never understood why. Like, there's six verses. Let's just hit them all, but we always skip them. But anyway, some of you, some of you can, can sing those hymns by memory, and I was raised on all those hymns. I got a lot of that stored in my heart, but listen, how many of you know you can stand there and sing those hymns, and your heart is as dead as a stone, and you know every word. You even know it was by Fanny Crosby. You got it all memorized. <laughs> but this is about passion. This is about face-to-face. This is about hearing, hearing his voice. It's about intimacy, and you'll never experience intimacy with God until you give yourself to Him, until you surrender to Him, until you open your heart up. I want to speak to the math majors in the room right now, right? The math majors. I've got an equation for you. Holy Scripture minus Holy Spirit equals bibliolatry. You're going, what is bibliolatry? That's when we make an idol out of the Bible. Pastor, what are you talking about? Is that possible? Yes, let me explain. Holy Scripture minus Holy Spirit equals bibliolatry. Look at what Jesus said. John chapter 5, 39 through 40. You search the Scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the Scriptures point to me. I want to say that again. The Scriptures point to me. They're pointing us to a living, resurrected Jesus who's alive right now. I love the way the message paraphrase says this. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me, Jesus says, and here I am standing right before you and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say that you want. I want to give an illustration here. I want my lovely wife to come forward. Give her a hand. Come on, baby. Thank you, thank you. I got her a special t-shirt today for this 
service, the Be Mine t-shirt. And, and we were, we were doing, having some fun this week. We, we went down to the treasure chest of our romance together. And uh, these, are, these are all epistles from my heart to her heart. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, hey, I wrote not only on the front, but on the back. All right. I love you. Big hearts right there. Some of you guys need to take notes. I'm helping you out all right on Valentine's Day. And this, I, this, was from, this, this was from 1983. It was our summer of love, all right? Still. We still have summers of love. But that, this was the big one because this was the, this was the one ramping up to the summer of 1984 when we got married, all right? Now, we were back in the day. Some of you are going to go, man, you guys are old, all right? Back in the day when there were no cell phones, it was a phone on the wall. You guys remember those days, the phone on the wall? And you, you have to dial each number. And it was all rotary. You guys remember that? Come on. And when you called long distance, it cost you money. A lot of money. It was very expensive. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So my dad was a frugal man, and I was a broke son, all right? So are you ready for this? In the summer when we were apart, because we went to school together at, at college, and when we were apart in the summers, it was terrible. It was like hell on earth to be separated from the one I love. And my dad said, all right, you can call her once a week for 15 minutes. Because you'd hear that phone, hi, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. And we were so in love, and all you say, oh, I love you, oh, I love you too. Oh, and you're talking that high, you know. Um, and my dad would just sit there like, say something to her, will you? I am, I am. I'm telling her. You couldn't even hide. You had to be <laughs> yeah, we got to get you a microphone over here. Yeah, I couldn't even hide. My dad's sitting right there in the chair, and I got this cord. I tried to get as far away as I could so I could, so I could talk to him. It was kind of like that, uh, it's a wonderful life when the guy yells at him, kiss her, will you? Just kiss her. All right. <laughs> Except I couldn't because we were four and a half hours away and I was on a rotary phone. But anyway, I, so what I did that summer and other summers was just about every day I wrote her a love letter. And I prided myself in the way I addressed the envelope. Our mail lady came up to my mom one day and said, I love delivering your mail. I'd love to see what's on the envelope. So you'll understand why in just a minute. <laughs> so, so this one was addressed to Miss America 1983, all right? <laughs> With I love you in big blue on the back, all right? This one, she was from Inglewood, Ohio. So this one was addressed to Marion Envy of Inglewood Reeves, all right? She was... Now, back in our day, when a girl was really cute, we called her a fox. Anybody remember that? All right, a fox. About four of you are still alive, all right? <laughs> so I called her the fox in bright red, all right? But what I wrote up in the, to the return address was my name, Fox Hunter. Ha-ha, <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> All right. Our favorite verse was uh, Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. 
So this letter was addressed to the desire of my heart from a delighter in the Lord. <laughs> this one I got real creative. I started cutting out newspaper words to put on. So this is called the best wife in parentheses to be because we were not husband and wife yet. And I just signed this one from I love you. So she had to know that was me. <laughs> This is the heartthrob of Inglewood. The return address was the St. John Drooler. <laughs> All right, I'm going. Here's, here's Miss Marion Alicia Gorgeous Reeves. Here's just simply my sweetheart. And this one I really like. This one I was waxing philosophical. Woman personified, all right? I don't know if that one got you as excited as it, but anyway. So the male lady could not wait to get these every day because she's, she's wondering what's, okay. But here's what I want to show you. When I was looking at what we wrote, which was really fun, it was like reliving that summer of 83 because the summer of 84 was when uh, we got married. So we were apart from each other, we were longing to be together, and the theme in these letters to you was, number one, I think I told you a million times how much I loved you, I told you how much I missed you, I told you how excited I was to hear your voice, I told you I couldn't wait to get back on campus to see you. In fact, all right, on one, I got to tell you one more cool story. She was a leader in the, one of the women's uh, dorms, one of their floor leaders, and I worked out this deal with the hall director to sneak into her room, which was forbidden on a Christian university campus, except there were nobody else there on campus, and I was a student leader as well, so I, I got the, the right to sneak into the room. So I had these wonderful gifts wrapped for her sitting on her desk, and I had a card sitting on her desk, and then what she didn't know was I, I had her go down to, to, her, to the area to get the message, and when she was down there, I snuck in the back door. So I'm hiding behind her door as she comes back in the room and she sees flowers and she sees a gift and she sees a card. And I'm there behind the door just peeking at her. And she does, I'm totally scoping around. She doesn't even know I'm in the room. And in my letter, when it got to the end of the letter, it said basically, and the one who you know, loves you and bought all these gifts for you is looking at you right now. <laughs> and she starts doing this. And she looks over, and there I am just standing there bigger than life. Now, how many of you know, at that moment, if she goes back to reading her letter, because the one who wrote the letters is now in her midst, and if she's like, hold on, I'll be with you in one minute, that second paragraph, that second paragraph, no, I'll tell you what happened. I ran over to her, and I embraced her, and I could feel her heart beating into my chest. That's how excited she was. And uh, I still remember. Do you remember that moment? See, she does. Amen. Yes. Because the purpose of the letters was not so that she would fall in love with the letters. Yes, she loves the letters. We, keep, we still keep them because they're precious. And we still read them occasionally because it reminds us of those days and our gratitude to God. But how many of you know if, 
If she's focused on the letters and she misses me, she's, she's missed the whole point of the letters. Or if she's focusing on the roses and she doesn't run over to love on me and want to be with me more than she wants to stare at her roses, she kind of missed the point of the roses. The roses are tokens. What I noticed in these letters was I was looking forward, you ready for this, to where I would never have to say goodbye ever again. The thing we hated the most was saying goodbye. Remember that? And I realized that the day was coming when we would stand at an altar and we would make a covenant with one another and we would never, ever have to say goodbye again. If we read our Bibles really good, our hearts will be full of passion for Jesus. And when you read the Scripture with the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus, what we read causes us to hear his voice. And when we hear his voice, we look to his face. When we look to his face, we feel his embrace. And when we feel his embrace, it fills us with a sense of commitment and zeal and strength to endure and to go through the hard times because we're looking for the day when we're going to be reunited. And when we'll never have to say, at least in the presence of the Lord, immediate presence of the Lord, we'll never have to say goodbye again. In the meantime, the Lord says this, I'm sending you something. I'm sending you someone. I'm sending you something in my word, but I'm sending you someone in my spirit. And you'll never need to worry about being alone ever again because I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. The problem with the Pharisees is they fell in love with the law and they prided themselves in the law. And they prided themselves in their, own, in their own ability to keep the law. And can I just tell you something? That's another thing about this culture here. We don't pride ourselves in our ability to obey the scripture or to serve the Lord or to do whatever, how much money we give to the kingdom. All of those things are self-righteousness at the end of the day. It's, it's empty self-righteousness. You remember when the, the man uh, was praying out loud in the temple and he, and he just confessed what a sinner he was and how much he needed God. And then the man next to him was a Pharisee. And the man, the Pharisee, prided himself in all of his religious accomplishments. And he said, I thank you. I'm not basically a dog like that guy over there. I, I'm somebody that's arrived. And Jesus just shook his head. Which one is closer to the heart of God? Which one knows the gospel more? You know, I met with a man this week who's struggling with a lot of things, and their family's been through a lot, and they've been through a lot of rejection and hurt. And I was able to look at him and just say this. You know what? You're at a place where you don't have to hide your pain and your brokenness and where you can be loved, and where we commit to loving you. And we won't leave you, and we won't abandon you. And there's a place where you can get healed, because that's the gospel, a place where you'll be loved. And it breaks my heart on a day like today. There are so many people all around the world that are just longing to have somebody that thinks that they're valuable, that they're cherished, that they're precious. Some of you have been on the mission field. I think of Think of all the, all the street, nameless, faceless street kids I've seen on missions trips. I'm a little bit, <laughs> a little bit touched this morning because I just read, I'm reading a book that's messing me up. Got to stop that. <laughs> if we get this right, it's not that hard. We'll just fall in love with Jesus. And then we'll love people really well. 
we'll keep falling in love with Jesus, and then we'll keep loving people really well. You can't fall in love with the Lord if you never hear his voice. Because his voice is personal. He doesn't treat you like a nameless, faceless street kid. He died for you personally. Because he's crazy about you personally. He knows everything about you. He knows all your pain. He knows all your brokenness. He knows how you feel. He knows the time that you're going through, the difficulty. He knows it all. And you're not nameless and faceless. You have an identity that's precious to God. But now we're living in this crazy, broken, messed up world where even a father's love is all perverted. Or love itself is all perverted. So many people are hurt and broken. We've had so many broken relationships, abandonment, rejection, all these things. Even as I'm sharing, you know, I thank God by his grace. We've had a great relationship. Not that we haven't had to work through things, but we had a good relationship. I thank God for his mercy on my family. But I'll tell you what, if you've experienced the goodness of God, you have a responsibility to care about people who are still waiting to taste it. Part of why we want to build and part of why we want to keep doing what we're doing here is because we're thinking about the next generation and the next generation and wanting your kids to be raised in an atmosphere where they see and taste and experience the love of the Father and where they're cherished, where they can learn how to have great marriages and great families, where they can feel valued they can be a part of a tribe of people that encourages and loves and accepts and believes in you. And I think that's the heart of this day when we celebrate love, whatever, whatever the world defines it, but we celebrate the love of God for us and why we're so passionate. And I want to encourage you, be passionate in your affection toward the Lord. Lay your heart wide open. Tell the Lord you want to hear his voice. Tell the Lord you want to see his face. Tell the Lord you want to experience his embrace personally. And be transformed by that. Be transformed by that. We want to pray for you guys that are here today. And maybe you just need some encouragement. Maybe this is a really rough day for you. I don't know. I hope it's not. But we just want to celebrate you big time. You know, whenever I hear somebody that was never celebrated instantly, I just want to throw a party. And I'm not even a party animal, am I? But 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 my heart, my heart is touched. Who who who's there in your life that just needs to be celebrated? I encourage you to pick up a phone and send them a card. Find somebody today. How about wouldn't this be a good goal this week? Can you find somebody in your sphere of relationships that just needs to know that they're really loved and really valued? And just take a moment and tell them that. Um, and then spend a life of just doing that to other people. I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I want our leadership team to come down here. And if you're new here today, I promise I will not cry on you if you come down. I won't wipe my nose on your shirt either, I promise. But I really believe there's somebody here today that just needs to know, how, you need to know how much the Lord loves you. And we want to pray for you. There might be people here today that are far from the Lord, and we just want to say, man, the Lord's arms are wide open to you. He's, he, he's been waiting for this. So you know what? Here's the deal. Lord, we want to hear your voice because your voice is always one of love and affirmation. And Lord, we want to see your face. We want to be intimate with you. We want to talk with you like a friend, face-to-face, heart-to-heart.
And Lord, lastly, we want to feel the embrace of heaven over our lives to know how much we're loved. You know, once you've experienced the love of Jesus, you're never the same. He completely wrecks you. When I met this woman, she wrecked me forever. I I knew I wanted to spend my life with her. The Lord is that and so much more. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to touch people's hearts in this place today. May your affection for each person, Lord, be overwhelming today. And I pray, Lord, as we leave here, let us be a blessing to somebody else and just communicate your affection for the people all around us, Lord. Our family, our friends, our people at work, everywhere we go, Lord. I just pray for a great release of the love of the Father. Lord, may we never be like the Pharisees and try to have a relationship with a book and not have a relationship with the person the book talks about. So Jesus, use the scriptures to inflame a passion in our hearts for you. And Lord, may we never be the same. I pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen.